luckily I didn't record any of that conversation that we just had. Or that would have been <laughs> that would have been making the edit. Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers Podcast. I'm joined this evening by multi-talented Jackson Van Uden, podcast host, YouTuber, writer and university graduate. He has appeared on the BBC and has recently released his debut book. He has been a guest on this show multiple times and is quickly becoming a big deal in the history world. Jackson joins me to tell me more about his recent published work. Jackson writes about communism and I practically am a communist, although I am far too stubborn to follow a party to the death. Jackson, hello. Hello, Ollie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. And thank you very much for that very kind intro. But you did, you did miss handsome, like I asked you to put down. Do you know, my second... So I've, for those of you uh, who don't know my process, I've actually got the intro written down in front of me because I'm not that spontaneous. Um, and my second part to this was... When writing this intro, Jackson specifically asked me if I could add in that he was handsome. Now, I've said that I would do this if only he sends me the naked rugby calendar that he's said to appear in. Until then, I'm not going to call you handsome. So send me the calendar (laughs) and I will say it. Well, there's other words in the dictionary, aren't there? So that's... (laughs) This is true. D- divine. The Divine Jackson. Oh, I'll take Divine. I'll take Divine. That's yeah, nice. you can put that on your CV. Yeah. <laughs> Appears on the BBC and Ollie says he's divine. That That's going to be my tagline. That'll be my new tagline. That's I love it. I love it. There's some exciting stuff going on in your career at the moment, Jackson, and I'm so excited for you. Um, the reason you're kind of with me today and not only because we're buddies and we we chat quite a lot is that you've just released a book how exciting yeah uh it kind of just happened really but yeah it's it's very very bizarre and surreal (laughs) that is uh, i just yeah i just happened to write a book and release it on amazon like what the (laughs) what the hell man it's so exciting we're so proud of you like it's so cool um which is why i specifically wanted you on this podcast, because obviously I want everyone to to read it, and we want you to be successful and all that jazz. But um, I also want to know more about it myself. So I'm going to jump straight in there, and I so f- so firstly, I guess, can you tell me the title of your book and how much do you love big words? All right, I'll try and do this in one take. Um, it is called The Crystallisation of Totalitarianism, how the 1953 Conference on Totalitarianism defined the term. Uh, so <laughs> That is a mouthful, isn't it? Like, Yeah, I've kind of like tripped over it and spat all over it and everything. Um, I but... mean, there's two very <laughs> big words within seconds of each other. Um, crystallis- crist- see, I can't even say it. Crystallisation <laughs> of Totalitarianism. that word yeah I kind of I it's not obviously this book started out as my dissertation for um from uni and I've added research back in I've added more research and I initially wanted to call it the codification 
of totalitarianism. Um, but after a, like a conversation with my my advisor and other people at university, I kind of like well, I was kind of told like well, codifications a little bit different. Crystallization would be perhaps a more apt word for for what you're trying to convey to your audience. I'm doing it again. I'm really sorry, Ollie. Um, but what were yeah, you doing? Doing what? Just big words again. No, I like it. I like it. See, on on this podcast, we've gone low brow. Okay, so what you're going to have to do is um, at points I will stop you, <laughs> and you will need to define these words for people. Um, we pride ourselves on um, accessibility here, and um, yes, uh, and that's for me more than anyone else, to be honest. <laughs> like, um, okay, so it's uh, it, it started off as your dissertation, and then it was adapted um how did it become a book like a physical book with a blurb and a photo uh, a very divine photo um, <laughs> well thank you you're welcome um yeah so when i i hate word limits everyone who knows me knows i hate word limits um and my my limit was ten and a half thousand words and i wrote 16 and a half wow um so there was there was a Minus my my wording and and extra words and so on, there was probably about four thousand words of additional research that I had to cut from my dissertation that I just felt was it was unfair to keep my dissertation kind of laying on my shelf on my laptop, kind of gathering dust and not being looked at by anyone bar myself, my advisor, or certain family members. So I thought, you know what. I'm the first person to write on this conference for at least the last 30 years, 40 years. I should make this stuff available to everyone because it's an important moment. So that's why I decided to put everything back into it and make it available for people. That's such a good point, isn't it? Because the amount of people that have written dissertations on whatever subject they studied at school, or sorry, uni, it, um, it does end up just sitting there collecting dust, as you said. And a lot of that research is is contemporary research to that period. So, you know, a lot of people might have been writing about Brexit and that information would be vital for that period, to understanding that period. Um, And so that's why I was kind of like, well, totalitarianism is making a kind of resurgence in the news. So why not make this information available for people to understand? I I, I think it's brilliant and I applaud your work ethic, um because you've got a lot going on. You've been quite poorly recently, and we're glad to see that you're better. Um, you've got a new job. You've just finished uni. You're podcasting with everyone. You're on the BBC. You are everywhere. So how you get the energy and time? Um, I mean, being 10 years younger than me is probably helping you. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, I, I will tell you the secret, first of all, and it's coffee. That's it. I have two coffees in the morning. I think I have about two to four coffees at work. So it's coffee. I do enjoy coffee. I um, I drink it black now. Not because I tell everyone it's because I'm cultured, but it's because I'm poor and I live in London and I can't afford milk. But if they intended coffee to be drank with the milk, the milk, the milk would be in the bean. So, ah, oh, yes, I love that. I love that. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm totally converted. Black coffee is the way forward. Um, anyway, we digress. Um, but if if that's the the key the key to your success, then yeah, go for it. Everyone go <laughs> drink some coffee. Um, I suppose it's better than 
doing other stuff, isn't it? Um, <laughs> although it's probably causing your body a lot of damage in the long run, says him that still smokes every now and then. But you didn't hear that from me, kids. Naughty. <laughs> Don't do it. Okay, so I wanted to chat um, terminology. Again, I mentioned that we're, uh, we like to be accessible here. So can you define the word, and I'm going to butcher it again, totalitarianism there for we go, me? <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's a variety of different definitions for the word. So from the conference, there was uh, five. There was five different characteristics to define totalitarianism, and that was a single mass party. Um, so, you know the Nazi party, the communist party, um, that was guided by a doctrinal body of work. So that would be, you know, um, so like Mein Kampf, would that yeah, be? Yeah. Mein Kampf, right. uh, the foundation of Leninism by Stalin. Yeah. Um, also there would be a monopoly of arms. Okay. So like a state controlled monopoly in arms. So the state controlled all the weapons, um, so you had no way of rising up and rebelling against uh, the government. Okay. And then there'd be a state-controlled monopoly of communications. So the state controlled all methods of communication so they could listen in your conversations, spy on your conversations, so they know what you were getting up to. Okay, so I'm thinking uh, East Germany here, like KGB kind of yeah. stuff. Right. 100%, just the, the listening in and knowing what you're up to, yeah, um, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and then there was a state-controlled uh, system of terror. So, you know, that was either physical or psychological. So, so ruled by fear. So, again, I know I'm jumping from one extreme to the other, but so, like, the SS, for example. Oh, the SS is the example, the prime example. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, full-on, it's just one of them. Uh, and then an official state ideology, so communism, fascism, Nazism, Maoism, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and then later on, these kind of theorists, they added a sixth one, which was a centralised economy. So the state controlled all the economy, like five-year plans and so on. And then there's another definition, which is just to say, if someone says they live in a totalitar- under a totalitarian regime, who are we to deny that? So um, that was one of the prime examples of why we define Belarus as a totalitarian regime. It's because those people came out and were like, we're living under totalitarianism. And then the UN were like, well, yes, we can say that's totalitarian. So is that is that the definition of of that place now? Uh, yeah, the, the UN defined... Because there was uh, that really scary incident, wasn't there? I don't know, was it an easy jet or a, a, I don't know, Jet 2? I don't know what it was, Ryanair... And um, it got guided down, didn't it? Like, by fighter jets, the Belarus fighter jets. And um, people got marched off of the plane. Like, how terrifying is that? It's just because he had Alexander Lushenko over there has so much control. He even stopped democracy, which was, you know, that was, that was a clear sign just to go, well, you know. You this is, I, know I know this isn't our subject of the day, but is, is this kind of... Um, this whole power struggle still from what was sort of Soviet-controlled places and uh, they're still kind of living under this umbrella of Soviet terror, 
I mean, one of the problems that we have in this area is that, yes, there was a massive power vacuum created by the Soviet Union leaving. Um, but now a lot of people who are in control in these areas are ex-secret service members. I'm not entirely sure about Lyshenko, but they have links to that old regime. Um, and Ch- the Children of socialism. Exactly. And they've they've lived that. They they are related to that and they that they know what it looks like. Not socialism, so communism, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh it's, oh, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating part of the world. And do you know what? It's a, a part of the world I really want to go to. <laughs> like, um, I'm not sure I would fare very well over there or I would probably be arrested immediately. Um, but I still want to see it. I want yeah, to don't go s- to Hungary, please don't. So yeah, I'll um well I can't afford to go anywhere at the moment. So um I will be staying staying put in the UK for now. That's really uh, that's really interesting. So you've got to have these five potentially six characteristics or for somebody to come out and be like, right, we are living under this umbrella. Yeah, they've kind of got to meet some of these characteristics. So there's there's other definitions like Raymond Aaron came up with some, Lev Goodkoff came up with a Soviet centric one. But, you know, they all kind of tick the same boxes. And if someone says they're living in one and they tick a few of these boxes, then you can't really deny that experience. Uh, but if an American came to me and said Trump's totalitarian, I'd, I'd, I'd tell him, no, he's not, because just he doesn't bl- tick any... Yeah, He's just a bloody idiot. Yeah. That's, what he is. That's what he is. He's an old ex-TV star that... Um, was in Home Alone, and ever since I found that out, it's ruined the film for me. Home Alone 2. Um, but you know, when I first went to New York, the first thing that I ever did was go to the Plaza Hotel because I loved Home Alone so much as a kid in the 90s that it was like, honestly, I almost cried. I was standing in front of it, and I was just like, this is, this is a moment for me. This is like the Christmas film, and now I'm standing in front of the Plaza Hotel. I love that out of everything in New York, that's what you went to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did lots of other stuff as well, <laughs> but that was the that was the that was definitely the first thing that I went to do. But do you know what's weird? It was on a completely different angle to what I thought the building was going to be on. I thought it was going to be facing Central Park, but it's not. It although it's next to it, the front goes like it's on to the street. So it doesn't face Central Park at all, and it really irritated me. I was like, I feel like I've been lied to. It's all camera angles, mate. It's all camera angles. It is indeed. It is indeed. But we're not here to talk about New York <laughs> and Home Alone 2. Um, okay, so right, I've got that now. Five characteristics plus um, plus the other bits. Um, so uh, you mentioned this earlier, uh, but in more depth, I guess. So what inspired you to write this dissertation slash book? So in second year, I did an essay on totalitarianism and I found this old dusty book in the top shelves, the top floor of the library. It was the 53 conference. And I just fell in love with the book. I thought, you know, this is absolutely brilliant. I read it cover to cover, I think about three times uh, across the course of the last two years at uni. Uh, I just fell in love with the book. And then initially, my dissertation was going to be a comparative study on political terror in Nazi Germany, China, Soviet Russia and North Korea. Uh, And then I got gently pushed to look more at the conference, being told it's more of an original area to go and look at. And I just fell in love with it even more. So, 
you know, I just I just ended up running with it, and here we are. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting idea because I know obviously the um, the Nazis and. Soviet Union a a very well known topic it's relatively modern history so a lot of people like know quite a lot about it already whereas this conference I someone who is very keen on modern history modern warfare had I I didn't I didn't know about this conference I didn't know it existed um this is really important stuff I think to get out there so I think whoever gave you the nudge was doing the right thing or knew what they were doing. Yeah, like it was he my my advisor, he was he was absolutely lovely. Um and I I just understood it more when I went and googled it and I saw like there was barely anything on it. I mean the, uh, there was the the primary sources from the archives of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. And there was a few snippets here and there in in things, but there was nothing written on it. Like, Mm. it was mentioned, but there was nothing solely on, let's look at the 53 conference. Yeah, and I can tell you that specifically, because I obviously did a little bit of research before this, and I googled it. And within the first, no, it's a a second or third image of books or writing, it's you that comes up on Google. Oh, wow. So, uh, and there's a very divine photo of you on Google Images. So... It's obviously a body of work that needs to be written and hasn't been written about before. Um, and how exciting is that, that people in years to come are going to be potentially using your book as a first-hand source for yeah. their writing? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit surreal, actually. Um, because, obviously, I, I, like, I, I posted a photo on my Instagram the other day that I had my... I had my book, I was preparing for an interview, I had my book on top of, you know, these idols of mine, Friedrich, Brzezinski, oh, yeah. uh, Shapiro and Roberts and stuff like that. You know, the pe- people who've written extensively on on totalitarianism and to see my book on that, that pile, I was just like, I know it's my own pile. It was a moment. Yeah, really. So, uh, There was yeah. an Instagram video that you put up and... Um, you, I think when the the book had just first arrived at your house and you were holding it for the first time and just like, it was just, it was so lovely to watch. Like you were so genuinely happy, <laughs> like as you should be. Um, and that, that was genuine joy, like in your eyes. And it was, it was just so nice to see. Like it was lovely. It was really nice. And we hope it's the first of many. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing more, so hopefully, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think this one will be surpassed. To be honest, it's always, it's constantly on my desk. But what really irritated me is that people got their copies before me. So, <laughs> and Jackson very kindly paid and sent me a copy as well, which I'm very, very grateful for. I will treasure it. Um, I might even send it to you to get you to sign it. And then you des- you deserve it, it. Don't worry, mate. You've been, you've been there for me, so you deserve it. Very kind. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's amazing. So so there was there was obviously a gap in the market for a piece of work like this to be written. And hey-ho, you filled that gap, which is amazing. Um, okay, so I, I want to kind of get on to the nitty-gritty now. So... Um, kind of what what was the conference itself like what was its purpose and and who was involved 
So the conference was like a, it was a meeting of minds of, of the leaders in certain areas of totalitarian thought. Um, it was, it was organised by the American Academy of Arts and Sciences and Carl J. Friedrich, I've already mentioned, was its chairman. So he kind of organised it with a small committee around him and he invited all these speakers to come round and speak about different parts of totalitarianism. So there are a few people who kind of give a general definition of what it is, like Friedrich himself, and then they went into different areas, so terror, um, psychology... Uh, uh, economics, uh, science, and stuff like that. So, it did. It was a very comprehensive look at what totalitarianism is, really. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them experienced it as well. So it wasn't just a a bunch of academics, um, or they were academics anyway. But it wasn't just a bunch of people who were removed from it. It was people who had actually experienced it or had deep intimate knowledge of it who came and spoke about it. I mean, this. It's so important, and it's uh, we, we've got to remember that sort of the Cold War kind of existed from 1945, when the in brackets World War Two ended, up until 1991. So these were people that were living in this time, and very shortly after 45 as well, like 1950. Remind me of the date, 1953. is so close. Well, it actually happened the day after Stalin's death, so that kind of cast a shadow over it, and. There were people here who were refugees of the Stalinist regime and Hitler's regime in, in Germany as well. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's so interesting. So the, the conference was a, was a meeting of minds that, again, was um, sort of by Stalin dying. Uh, uh, Stalinism was a, was a huge part of that, I guess, was a huge part of what they were talking about and discussing. Um, yeah, it had been one of the defining features of the the post-war period. So, yeah, I think it played a massive part in the way that they defined this. But most of them were German as well, so I think the German definition definitely paid more to the definition than the Soviet one did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now that we know what the conference itself was about and why it was kind of put together, um, you've chosen sort of particular speakers at the conference um in the book so do you want to sort of talk us through that and and why you chose these particular people to focus on yeah so i chose george kennan carl j friedrichs waldemar Göring, uh bertrand d wolf jersey g glicksman and carl w deutsch um and i kind of chose them because their work firstly resonated the most with me i just i just it just worked really well. It read really well. And I just enjoyed their pieces more. But they also fit with uh, Carl J. So Carl J. Friedrichs is more of the, the framework for the piece, um, for the book. And everyone else really compliments Friedrichs. So, you know, Jersey G. Glicksman talks about the prophylactic sen- um, nature of terror within totalitarian regimes, which directly works with one of the characteristics. Uh, Waldemar Göring talks about, you know, political religion and the cult of personality. Again, that complements what Friedrich wrote really well. And then Kennan was another person who spoke about a more Eastern European Soviet definition 
uh, based on lived experiences in various different countries, whilst Friedrich was only in one. So I chose them all because they complemented each other and I just resonate, their work resonated with me a bit more. Yeah, and I think it's important when you're when you're reading anything, like even if I read a novel, like if you instantly like get one of the characters and stuff, you're more favourable towards them, <laughs> I guess. And uh, yeah, I think it's important to actually enjoy the work that you're reading. Because yeah, otherwise what you write just will reflect that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Um, so out of all of these speakers that you've just mentioned there, who was your favourite of all of them? Well, Carl, Carl J. Friedrich's work, I just absolutely adore. He's one of my idols and I, I, I hope to be able to replicate his, his career in one way. Um, so Carl J. Friedrichs is definitely one of my two favourites. And then Jersey J. Glicksman, you know, it's a great piece, but I'm absolutely obsessed with trying to find out what happened to him. Uh, he, came, he came over from uh, Russia as a political refugee. He appeared at the conference. Apparently he worked at Harvard, but when I emailed Harvard, they had no resources on him, nothing. So... Yeah, there's... that's interesting. That do you know that's piqued my interest now so, because I want to know what happened to him as well. Exactly. So that's that's why he's one of my favourites. Not just because of his work, but just because I want to find the man and I want to find out what happened to right, him. Right, Jackson. Can I just inject it? That is a documentary waiting to be made. Please host that documentary. Go to Harvard. <laughs> find these people that know more about them. Oh, you, you could be onto some like massive, like secret conspiracy here. Well, his, he, he wrote a book called go tell the West, which was kind of an expose on the slave labor conditions that the USSR was putting his political prisoners through. Mm. And yet when we look at, you know, what was the experience of political prisoners in the USSR, we tend to look at Alexander Solzhenitsyn's the Gulag Archipelago, which, which is a fantastic book, really, really readable, lovely, you know, masterful piece of work but then there's this other piece of work which we kind of tend to to relegate move to the side so i'm absolutely obsessed with the man i just want to know what happened to him when he was in america so do i and you definitely need to find out and that is jackson's next book (laughs) (laughs) um dedicated to me um okay so he's your he's your man he's your chap um and now I definitely want to find out so much more about him. Um, it's going to irritate me now. So I need you to go back and find some answers for me. And then next time I speak to you, I want all of them, please. Thank I'll you. send you what I've got on him. That's <laughs> Thank, well, that, yeah, that's enough. But um, if anyone from the, the BBC listens to this for a start, I'm surprised. But if anyone <laughs> from the BBC uh, needs a new documentary making and they want a uh, divine host... Jackson's your man. Please. <laughs> Should I just be your agent? Is that is this basically what's happening here? Um, well, if you've got the time. That's <laughs> I don't have any time. I can't even sort my own life out, Jackson, <laughs> let alone yours. Sorry. Um, okay, so um, why did you focus on this conference over other work on totalitarianism? Well, there was there was a nineteen forty symposium, which is basically just a mini conference on on totalitarianism, and I just thought it was a bit rude. Like, 
without being rude to them, it was a bit rudimentary because they'd watched Nazis for seven years um, and the Great Terror was only really kicking up. So I didn't quite work with that, like gel with that piece of work, okay. that, that symposium as well as I did with this, this conference. Yeah. And, and then there was other pieces of work like Hannah Arendt's um, The Origins of Totalitarianism, which is a which is a great book. But this conference just had so much more. It was like there was life to it. You know, the, the book on the conference actually has the discussions between the academics after sessions. So, you know, what they were saying about other people's pieces of work and so on. And I just felt there was so much more life within this. And you know, everyone's heard about Hannah Arendt. Everyone's got a co- every, everyone's got a copy of the origins of totalitarianism. Who works in this area? So I just thought, you know, this this there's so much more here. And though I do feel bad for the symposium, I think this was just a better display. So with these conferences, so do they happen? Do they happen like regularly? Is it a yearly thing? A bi-yearly thing? Does it happen every ten years? Is there a meeting of minds? Every now and then, are they still going on? There's there's some conferences, but this one was this one was arranged by the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, and so far I haven't found that much evidence of another one. Um, but yeah, they tend to. It depends on who's organising them. Some conferences are annual, some are special conferences. Um, but this one, I think, was something which there was kind of a harvard school of thought which Mm. there was a variety of people all working on similar theories and similar ideas at the same time who were all working within the same space that it made sense to try and communicate in a different forum in a more public forum so do you think this was very reactive to what was going on in the world at the time I i think this was more of a there's so many people working together on this area and there's we kind of need to it's it's developing into the the beast of the 20th century or it was just finishing up as the beast of the 20th century that there's kind of an there's kind of an idea of well we need to say what it is we can't just keep throwing the term around with so many different ideas we need to you know crystallize what totalitarianism is kind of harden that definition to know what it is yeah so i think that's what it was yeah it's so interesting um so we've talked about the conference and the people that you liked and the people that you resonated with um so who else uh of note was at the conference now interestingly to me hannah arendt was actually there um which I, f- I found fascinating because obviously she wrote The Origins of Totalitarianism. But what, what to me was fascinating about it was that she didn't actually speak. She, did, she took part in the discussion. She extended her comments on people's papers. But she didn't actually give a speech herself. She didn't deliver a paper for everyone to talk about and her to talk about her ideas and theories about. So that's the big one for me is that she's written this leading book which everyone looks at for what totalitarianism is. But at the major meeting point, she's kind of operating as this this person in the discussions who's just going, oh, I don't quite like that, and I quite like this. So but... was her book out before yes, this conference? Yes. 
Well, yeah. that's interesting, isn't it? Because you would have thought, I mean, uh, I'm putting you on the spot here, but like, how, how long before was her book out? Had it been out for a while? Don't uh, worry, I'm just getting it off my shelf. <laughs> um, so, 48. Oh, okay, yeah. And then 51. So, you know, it was... So it'd been out for a few years, so it'd been read, I assume, dozens of times by and academics, it, and she was obviously someone of, like, Yeah, she note. was the big, she was the big, you know, we use the term for parliament, I think she was one of the big beasts of, of totalitarianism, you know, one of those people who, who's, who's respected and whose view you have to kind of take into account when you're talking about these things. But to see her, I know, I know it's not a minor role, but to see her relegated to just someone in the, in the discussions. It'd be interesting to know if she sort of made a conscious decision to be that person um, in the, the background. I mean, obviously it's, she wasn't in the background background, but someone who wasn't going to deliver like the penultimate like the 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 speech the the one that everyone is there to see um or whether there was something else going on whether it was because she was a woman or i don't know like well, there's yeah it's i mean she was kind of she was very well respected in that area anyway so i don't think much that would have had a kind of an effect on things mm. i've um, kind of got this image of her now and it's completely plucked from what you've literally just told me um that she she's she's a big wig in this field and she kind of knows it but she's going to kind of play the cool card so she's going to just rock up to this conference and be like hey i'm here yeah i wrote that book yeah i'm not going to be massively involved but guys i'm still here yeah and um just have this feel like that as well though yeah have this air of grace around her like she's done a bit like if you want to if you want to Hear what I've got to say. Read my work. Done. I think she she wasn't even the um, the major draw. Like the celebrity speaker was George Kennan. Okay. And and she was just there in the discussions for the sessions. And yet so, she wrote the book. Yeah, exactly. The paper. So you know, there's there's various things that I would have liked to be in that committee to to listen to and to understand. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because behind everyone's body of work, there's a human like there and there's traits and personalities and stuff. And we have a lot of that gets lost. Like we, we do the same with like musicians and actors and stuff. They become renowned for their work, but these people could have been quite shy. They could have been quite difficult. They could have been mentally unwell. Do you know what I mean? There's loads of stuff that we don't know behind the published stuff that is but kind on, of put forward to us. But we're very lucky to have the discussion actually written down within the copy of the conference. Oh, amazing. Because you can see the papers and then you can see discussions around the papers. So mm. Carl J. Friedrich kind of acts as this this guy. He, he organised a conference, so he kind of acts as this guiding force to how we're going to define totalitarianism. Uh, and then other people take on other roles of you know, safeguarding, you know, let's, I'm going to take on the role of how we see the church. And they just seem to naturally take on these roles within the discussion as yeah. opposed to them biting it out. It's so interesting. So um, if they had another conference, uh, maybe a 20, 
25 conference and you were invited to be like the head speaker, would you go? Yes, 100%. Without a shadow of that, my bag is packed now. Like, <laughs> Would you go with an entourage? I mean, these, these things are public, so yeah. Everyone can come and listen. They'll probably be online at that point. So. Uh, no, the thing is, I kind of feel like, I mean, I, I love the internet and I love that we can do all of this stuff virtually, me being in London and you being um, like Peterborough away. I love it that, that we have all of that, but there's nothing better and nothing more emotive than seeing something live and like feeling that, again, whether it be, I don't know, a rugby match, a football match, a... Um, a speaker, an actor on stage. Some, there's just something about being in the room with somebody that is you can't replicate online, can you? No, not at all. And I'd love to do a live podcast or something like that because I just think you'd be able to feel the relationships a bit better and feel the history a bit better. Um, and that's kind of why I want to want one of these conferences to of this scale to kind of emerge again because then we could see all these people who are thinking the same and writing in the same areas and actually see them interact as opposed to seeing screens on Zoom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which, you know, well, that's another thing to add to your uh, add to your list. So become uh, a published author. Tick. You've done that <laughs> one. Um, uh, now you need to organise a conference. You also need to make that film documentary that I've suggested earlier. And if you do, I'm taking all the credit for it, <laughs> unless it's terrible and then I had nothing to do with it at all. Um, uh, so you've got a lot of stuff to be getting on with, basically, Jackson, is what I'm saying. And I've got to teach my lessons. So that's <laughs> Yes, you're a teacher now. That's exciting. I mean, yeah, I can, I can set up. I don't want to comment too much because, you know... <laughs> No, absolutely. I know. Well, I think it's great. You've 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 obviously been working very hard, and it's it's paid off massively. So, Jackson, if people yes, want to purchase your book, which they absolutely one hundred percent need to do, where can they get it? So, uh, I am currently on Amazon, so you can buy a paperback, a hardback, or a Kindle edition for those of you with Kindles. Uh, with the hardback, there is currently someone else who's also selling a version of my hardback on Amazon. Go to the the one that's listed at the lower price because that's the one that's selling that I'm selling uh, through Amazon. The other one is just ignore it. Um, and then <laughs> someone trying to make profit off you already. Yeah, fifteen quid profit. They can oh wow! Yeah. So and then if you want a signed edition, uh, you can go to www.historyofjackson.co.uk. And you can buy a signed paperback edition from me personally. And I will sign it with your name in it. That is so exciting. You're like a celebrity now. I feel like I caught you before you like got too big-headed. <laughs> and then... Well, you, you got me into podcasting, so... I did. Okay, remember, I'll have that in the next blurb of the book, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, so whilst we're on the subject of, 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 of your work and how people can find you and stuff, so you obviously... Uh, if you didn't get it from that last little snippet, you uh, you have a, an, another page where people can find all your stuff. So you obviously run History with Jackson. Um, uh, Jackson usually, it started off as a YouTube channel, I believe. Yes. Uh, where Jackson wears his own merchandise, which I love, in pink. That's my favourite one. That is uh, my favourite one as well. Oh, it's so cool. 
And uh, so, yeah, tell us all about where people can find your work, your socials, all that jazz. So, on YouTube, obviously, the uh, the home, the original home. Uh, if you search History of Jackson, I'll be there. There's the current series I'm doing on English and British monarchs. I'm looking at, it was a bit bigger than I thought it'd be, but I'm going from Edward the Confessor right up to Elizabeth II. Yeah, there's quite a lot in there. Yeah, I didn't realise before I said I'd do it, and now I'm kind of stuck. So where are so, you at the moment? Where's your... Uh, we just did Edward II. Okay, so you're still quite early on. Yeah, yeah. 300, 300 years in, that's not too bad. Fine. Um, and then if you want to find me on Instagram, where my videos are also available, it's at History with Jackson, and the same handle on Facebook, at History with Jackson. And then I'm also on Twitter, as at History W Jackson, and then you can find my podcast which also has the videos as audio-only files, um, so you can listen to them like Ollie does on your drive to work or so on, um, and that's, they're available on all major podcast platforms, from Amazon Music to Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Pandora, Deezer, whatever you listen to, God, uh, Good Pods, whatever you... God, whatever, God Pods, I love good, that. Good Pods, <laughs> can't speak. Um, but whatever you listen to your podcast on, they're on there as well. And then occasionally you'll see me with Ollie. Occasionally I just rock up every now and then to uh, to lower the tone. So I just need to ground Jackson. I think that's my mission in life. So um, whilst he's doing very well, I'll just bring him down to smut level. Um, th- that's my job now. I need someone to stop me using big words. That's <laughs> oh my God. No wonder you can't bloody talk like, after using all those long words this uh, this in a in class today i tried to say lay waste and i said way laced i mean did the kids notice uh yeah oh, yeah fine so. <laughs> you, you were you were judged hard yeah most definitely fine that's fine um i would highly recommend uh jackson's podcast i do listen to it in the car on my way to work or uh to and from uh, London and Hertfordshire and wherever I happen to be at the time. Um, for those of you who know me, I travel quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, they're really good to listen to in the car. And talking of um, uh, audio-based listening, are you going to do an audio book of your book? Uh, yeah, I'm planning to. When I've got the time to just sit down and have an uninterrupted session and just read through it then I will be doing yes so you can hear my dulcet tones in your ears for over an hour or so you've got quite a soothing voice I think yeah the thing is I don't want people to go to sleep when they're listening to it so no, you just need to add a sound effect in every now and then <laughs> just a bang that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all died Boom. <laughs> I love it I love it. Jackson, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. It's been far too long, but as we know, life gets in the way. Um, But we will absolutely do our best to do some more stuff. Um, As always, it's been a pleasure. And it's been a pleasure coming on as always, mate. Thank you very much for having me again. Thanks, Jackson. Uh, and I've done dad bod. 
I love that name. It's such a fucking good name. But honestly, they're so. I actually think you two would like you know, YouTube podcasts. Like, so there's two of them. I think you three would actually get on really well. So a threesome? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they'll love it. 